or is, so it's Gorvia. We know that. Gorvia. 100%. <laughs> Alexander Gorgiev. 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 Okay. Yes. Gorgiev. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, for everybody Just, and listen, in, Trust me. Trust me. We will only hear his coaches and his teammates call him Georgie. If I can bet you anything in the world, he will never be referred to by his teammates or his coaches by anything except for Georgie. That is the way hockey goes. You, you know, it was Frankie. It wasn't Francois. I didn't hear anybody ever call him Francois. It was Frankie. That's what we got to love about hockey nicknames, guys. They build them in already. So, true, true, so true. Georgie. Georgie, we're getting rolling here on Coffee Break. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in. We're excited to have everybody. Again, DMAC is out at Family Sports. I'm Rachel VL, Jake Shapiro down at the bottom. But we're talking about this Colorado Avalanche team because there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot of fans out at Family Sports as well. But we need to talk about Nazem Kadri because he was probably the biggest loss that this Avalanche team did. And I know they talked about this yesterday, Jake. So fill us in a little bit about who they believe can most likely replace Nazem Kadri. Yeah, Gabe Landeskog spoke on this more than even Jared Bednar. And it seems like kind of what we were predicting on this show. It's going to be a group effort. It's not going to be any individual guy. Jared Bednar did speak to how excited this team is to have Evan Rodriguez. I know, DMAC, you just spoke with Evan Rodriguez, and he's excited to be here as well. Um, but this is about guys like Comfer stepping up, Newhook stepping up, taking an opportunity, and depth guys having an opportunity. I actually have a prediction going to this Av season that they may score fewer goals and be a more defensive-oriented hockey team, given the fact that they bring back all six of their defensemen from a cup winner, which is very rare. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. By the way, is, is, is that too loud? Because I can go to Lasertron if that's too loud. No, I can't even good? hear it. Yeah. Okay, fantastic, because the, the, the Zamboni is going back there. Um, on the D, you want to talk about the D. The, the, the defense of... The defense of the of thank you, Rachel. I understand. I, I get so excited. Um, the defense of the Avalanche with Gerard being back and healthy uh, is so un- unbelievably dynamic. I mean, what they're going to be able to do will change games so dramatically. Um, and it was great to see uh, Taze, McCarr, Manson, Gerard, Byram, EJ. Oh my goodness gracious, guys. And, you know, it's funny looking at that lineup right there is where do you put Curtis McDermott? Because McDermott plays um, offense and defense. You know, he didn't play at all during the Stanley Cup final, but he's your, theoretically, your, your tough guy. And you got Ben Myers in there. We'll see on that. And, and by the way, um, Rodriguez, yeah, I think he'll be the second line center. But, 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 do not be surprised if you see Nico Rantanen in that role and Alex Newhook in that role, too. They'll, they'll mix and match with that quite a bit. Um, and yeah. we'll see what they play around with on defense. No, for sure. Uh, we've got some stats on Evan Rodriguez, too, and it's kind of interesting when you take a look at it because he was previously with Pittsburgh. Uh, he's played 316 games total in his career, had 53 goals, 76 assists, and 129 points. But you really wouldn't look at him as like, hey, the star player. But there's a lot of talk that he's a really, really good hockey player, Jake. Yeah, he actually had a career year last season. He had uh, 43 points and 19 goals. Um, And he was playing with Sidney Crosby at times. So he is used to playing with elite players from Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia, uh, which is a good news because he's going to have something to, you know, he's going to blend well with Nathan McKinnon, perhaps. Um, 
I think that the top six uh, guys from the Avalanche are going to be mixed and matched throughout the course of the season. Uh, Jared Bednar talked about this yesterday where it's, we might reunite Miko, Gabe, and, and Nate, or we might, you know, kind of split them up and move them around. And DMAX talking about maybe moving Miko to the second line center spot or even Gabe to that second line center spot and just moving guys around, seeing what things work. And again, if they're doing this load management thing, which they said they're not, but they're probably going to, we're going to see different guys get opportunities. And having a guy like Evan Rodriguez, who has played up and down a lineup, who has been productive at the NHL level, is going to be a valued asset. And I think the biggest thing for this Avs team is figuring out what they have and what they need come February, and then they can reassess. It's true. I mean, we're definitely looking at this season as multiple different seasons, right? There's a beginning, you're getting back into it, you're on short rest because your season only ended, what, three months ago, and then you partied all summer long pretty much. Um, Then we've got the New Year season, but then you've got the playoff season. So there's a lot of hockey for this Colorado Avalanche team to go. But for Georgie to be added into the mix and losing Darcy Kemper, which one would you have gone with and how confident are you in Georgie to be able to fill that role that we saw last year, Jake? I'm pretty confident in Frankie, for one, because what we saw in Edmonton, he basically won the Avs, the Western Conference Final, in a sweep. Like, that was his performance. He was the goaltender for that. So you have a goaltender that got you to the Stanley Cup as your backup right now. Mm-hmm. Gorgiev, we have no idea what he can be. Uh, he was behind Igor Shashirskin, who was the uh, Vesna winner last year for best goalie in the NHL. Uh, we've seen flashes of him. He's a big goaltender. People say a lot of good things about him. The scouts love him. I love the potential there. And sometimes, and historically in the past with the Avs, they've taken chances on backup goaltenders who have been in and out of the, of the net for other teams who all of a sudden catch on with the Avs and catch fire. It's happened with Varlamov. It's happened with Grubauer. And maybe it happens again with Georgie. Dima? They just weren't going to play pay uh, Darcy Kemper the money he could get from another place because now we know um, they didn't really have the money for Cadre. They didn't really have the money for Burakovsky because they needed to have the money for McKinnon, um, Machushkin. And there you go. And you kind of just answer your questions there. So there's a bit of performance and there's a bit of financial stuff. We love Grubauer. He goes to the Kraken and he's, you know, just an average goalie. Well, you're an average goalie because look who's playing in front of you. So I think with um, Georgie, he'll be fine. I think any kind of decent goalie will be fine with the avalanche. And to have uh, Frankie as your backup is kind of preposterous that you have that. Well, by the way, the goalie they really see for the future that, that they really love is Eustace Ananen, who's just super young and he'll spend most of the season with the Eagles. Um, but he's only, you'd have to help me out here, Jake. I think he's 22, 23. I mean, he's a really, really young guy and they just need him to sort of build up. So the plan that they have in goalie is pretty spectacular, to be honest with you. They've got depth in their, um, you know, the minor leagues. They've got a guy with championship experience in Frankie. And, yeah, like you said, he sat behind Tshirskin. I mean, you know, the Rangers, maybe they should have done better. And, actually, the Rangers did actually great uh, in the playoffs, all, all things considered. So, no, I'm, I'm not really worried about it at all. You know, don't forget Darcy, although he had a lot of NHL experience. There were questions about him during a, a championship run as well. 
And, hey, I got nothing but respect for what Kemper went through. I think that eye injury was a very, very serious deal. I think the way Bednar managed that situation was just absolutely spectacular. And do not forget, they won the game. They, they won the Stanley Cup, guys, by a score of 2-1. to one. <laughs> They did. So, right on for everything. Um, and, by the way, who gets the benefit of the doubt more than guys that just won the Stanley Cup? You know, they, 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 get to, they, they have the ultimate I told you so for every personnel decision. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was joking with some of the beat writers yesterday, DMAC. Anytime Jared Bednar is like, that's a BS question, he can just point to the cup over his left shoulder. Um, <laughs> right. right. Like, uh, but by the way, Ananin's 22 this season. Okay. He was the third-round okay. draft pick, which is a really high draft pick for a goalie in the NHL. Normally, they start to go in the fourth, fifth rounds. And Ananin uh, is probably going to break with the NHL team starting maybe 2024, DMAC, wouldn't you say? It, it takes till you're about 24, 25 till you're a goalie in the NHL where you really yeah. get going. Yeah, I mean, how old is Franzos? 32, 33, 34? I don't know. It's something like that. You know, you get a long career as, as a goalie. We saw Smith there with the Oilers, who's, I think, 115, playing in the Western Conference Final. So, so you just have to have a little patience. You want to win now, no doubt about it. But hopefully, Annan, who's a bigger goalie, a lot of these goalies are big, huge guys. Uh, Georgie is not like that. He's more of a slender, sort of quick sort of guy. Annan is a big, huge, you know, kind of like Darcy, although Darcy was skinny. He was, you know, six foot five. So uh, a different style. But Frankie's small. Frankie's a smaller dude. So there's, there's all sorts of different ways. And by the way, what are we talking about? Look at who your D is. Look at who your defensive forwards are. Look at the depth of this team. I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but you're only going to be looking at, you know, 22 to 26 shots a game, period. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, Kale McCarr, obviously, Devontae's two magnificent ones. I love their friendship and the bond that they've definitely had. Um, it has been so much fun. But we do have Eric Johnson and Gabe Landeskog talking about the McCarr, or about Kale McCarr. So we'll go ahead and take a listen. Hold on. You didn't see them all. You kind of see bits and pieces through social media. Um, Bose looked fun. He, had, he said he had his entire city in his backyard. So who, who knows the characters I attracted. But uh, <laughs> Grand Brook, British Columbia, I don't know where that is. But who <laughs> um, knows? Yeah, it was, it was really hard to tell, yeah. obviously, because we, we weren't able to go, you weren't able to go to everybody. You know, it, it's a short summer as it is. You, Feels like you're planning a small wedding when you're planning a, uh, your day with the cup. So busy doing that, and and then when the day comes, you you try to enjoy it and share it with everybody. But it, it, it's pretty busy; it goes by fast. But um, boys looked like they had a lot of fun, and yeah, we're ready to get back to work now. I know what I do different now. So next year, exactly. <laughs> plan a little bit better. Um, I felt like I was at a four-hour autograph session or picture session. You want to make sure everyone you invited got a picture with it. So. By the time you know I got to my party at seven, I looked it was eleven, and I had an hour left with the cup after I got to say hi to everybody. So um, I don't know. I just I just want to do it again. <laughs> I love that. I love how he said it was like planning a small wedding. That's what Gabe said too. Dmac, how big was your wedding? Oh, seventy-five people, and my father-in-law cut off the bar a half hour early. But but on our honeymoon. We went to Los Angeles, and my wife got on the prices right and won two snowmobiles, a couch, and a vacuum cleaner. And we sold the snowmobiles to Jim Kelly of the Buffalo Bills. So we went to Hawaii, and we didn't look at, like, at a price tag. Couples massages, helicopter trips, we saw it all. 
True story, top to bottom. I'll show you the video of my wife on The Price is Right sometime. What? Okay. Okay. Yeah. First of all, we need to get that video 100%. And the only yeah. reason- That's the biggest revelation we're going to have on Coffee Break this year. <laughs> that was incredible. I'm so glad. I bring this up because yesterday, Jake, Jake is currently engaged in planning a wedding. And I asked him, how many people were you planning to invite? And Jake, you said- About 250, 300. And I said, holy smoke, a wedding. Hey, yeah. hey, Jake, Jake, let me, let me, let me help you out here. I love you. I'll give you a, a hug. You know, we can get a drink after work. Don't invite me to your wedding. It's okay. I don't, I don't need to be there. It's I, good. I would love to. Uh, the problem is, so, and it's, it's a great problem to have because her family is lovely, but her, my future father-in-law has 10 siblings. So she has like 90 first cousins that's that's why the number is so huge. But it, it's it's lovely to be married or, or going to be married to someone who's loved so much. Well, that's that's wonderful. But for the record, nobody ever has to invite me to a wedding. It's okay. I, I love everybody. Uh, I'm buddies with everybody. I don't ever need to go to another wedding in my life. But I, I wish the best for you guys. I wish the best for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, D-Mac gets so excited, and that's one thing we love about him. Uh, I feel like the older you get, the less weddings you want to go to. But Jake and I right now, we're definitely in that phase of, like, oh. we love weddings. Oh. We want all the weddings. So, I, I, um, in, in, in my 20s, it was I went broke going to other people's weddings. Yeah. It felt like there was a wedding every week. Yeah. I'm definitely getting right? to that part. Uh, a lot of players are taking the ice right behind oh. D-Mac. You love to see it. Um, it's an exciting time, and there's going to be a lot of national TV games for this Avalanche team. So if you can't watch it um, due to the altitude Palmcast matter, don't worry. You can catch them on national TV this year. Uh, the first one, obviously, is the biggie. On October 12th, they take on Chicago Blackhawks, and they will be hanging the banner that night. So that's going to be a good one. You can get tickets. Definitely try to. It might almost be sold out. I can't remember now that I think about it. But there's a ton of other games that you can definitely catch, too. But uh, let's move on to the Denver Nuggets because at 10 o'clock this morning, right before our show started, they released some new uniforms. So Jake, show us these uniforms. This will be my first reaction. So I'm really excited about it, actually. You got some blue. They're very similar to the ones we got. A little bit more red, Rachel. How are okay. we feeling so far? I feel like they look like ones we've previously seen. Am I wrong? They, they're the exact same, but with more red. You see the red on the shorts, and then I've got a picture pulled up here as well. Okay, um, D-Mac's on the move. Yeah, he is. Uh, you see how they've replaced the dark blue with the red on the shorts, Rachel, and they've gone with a red outline around the yellow. Uh, so it's basically about the same jersey as they had last year, uh, just with a little bit more hint of red. Uh, what are your thoughts? I, again, I was expecting something and maybe it's because we see them all the time with like these crazy new uniforms, DMAC now moving. Cause it's getting a little loud in there. Uh, nice job, DMAC. Uh, go back to the picture you, for me. I got you. You sound great. Um, I'm just surprised because it seems like it's a uniform we previously seen. Maybe the red's a little bit different, but I'm just, they just touched it up a little bit. They yeah, added a little bit of spice to um, the current one, the mile high city one. So there's I, the old I, I, one. There's the new one. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I like the red. You're right. There's there's some very noticeable differences. I do like the red more than I thought I was going to. So I like it. DMAC, what are your thoughts? My favorite thing about the uniform is who is wearing it. That Amen. is that's the that's the best part. You can you can see by my fashion sense, I am the last person in the world you should ask about anything to do with fashion. 
looks great. Um, that Jamal Murray is wearing it um, is the best part of it. By the way, I moved to this location very specifically. Can you tell why? Laser tag. Laser tag. I'm doing this specifically for James Merrillat to see that I went from, um, it took about 15 steps to go from the avalanche practice to, uh, this is where they check you in. This is where they check you in. And then you go through the doors over there and, you know, you, you go get them. Go get them. Laser tag. It's been a while. We should do a company thing there. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, Jake, stand up real quick. No, seriously, Jake, stand, Jake, stand up. No, Jake, stand up. Jake, Jake, just stand up. Dmac, don't you get the same? Aren't you? Don't you get this too? Like, come on, man. I thought we were brothers on this. Jake, there's two people at the station shorter than me. It's you and Andrew Mason. So, so get get used get get used to it. It's like the transitive property circle of suck college football graphic. Oh my god! Sorry, Jake. Uh, oh, no, no, wait, wait. Is that the new uniform? Seriously, I'm sorry. Is this that the is new the old That's uniform. The old so if you oh, look okay. at this. The new uniform basically has a stronger red stripe on the sides right here. Uh, the, num- the, the letters are ye- uh, yellow, and it's outlined in red. There's also a star right here on the new uniforms. Um, oh, you can't see the star on this one. So Yeah, you can. You can, can see it right between the H and the Y and the M and the C. So a, a couple different changes compared to what I've got on right here. Um, I personally, I think they're fine. They're a nice upgrade. Um, I just hate that the Nuggets continue to go towards like royal blue and red when every team ever in the history of sports has been blue and red. And they've got such a unique color scheme in their past with the light blue and the rainbow skylines and stuff like that. Maxi the minor. So I would love them to go into that more approach. And I think they probably will with their city uniforms, which haven't come out yet. So we'll see. All right, DMAC, we're going to let you go. Go enjoy practice. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Jake, I know we want to talk about the previous uniforms for this Colorado um, or this Denver Nuggets team, I guess I should say, because there are some good ones out there for sure. Um, Let's go back. Which one is your favorite, though? And we'll include this new one on here as well. Uh, Do you like the white? I know you mentioned the light blue earlier. That one's not part of it. But which one's your favorite? Of the three current ones? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say honestly, the white, like I really like the way the, the, the shorts stand out on TV where okay. it looks like mountains on the side. Um, I think white uniforms are hard to do in basketball and hard to pull off. Um, so I think the nuggets have a really nice white uniform. Now it's no better than anyone else's. It's not like this unique uniform. Um, so I just think that's good. But like, in terms of like the most nugget uniform of the three, the mile high city Jersey is that, um, and I think that's the Jersey I will remember the Jokic era for because Nicola has had, and I mean, it's 15 on the Jersey right there. Nicola has had some of his biggest games in this mile high city Jersey. So this has kind of been his Jersey, but DMAX totally right. The fact that they're rolling Jamal Murray out there for the Jersey preview says that that man is good to go. I like it. Okay, let's go to the Nuggets jersey history over here. Um, wow. First of all, the the purple ones always make me laugh when you really go back and you think about those. But of the ones coming in from history, which one is your favorite and why? See, I, I found and made this graphic. The, these don't even have all the jerseys. There's ones with pickaxes. There's yellow rainbow ones. There's all sorts of different ones. There's the green recycle day uniforms that the Nuggets have worn in the past. Like they've literally worn every color in the rainbow. 
But I got to go with the actual rainbow jerseys the Nuggets used to wear. The Dikembe Mutombo Alex English ones there from uh, 81 to 94. That is the Nuggets iconic look. That is the best jersey they've ever worn. Um, It's what stands out. The shorts are awesome. The jersey's awesome. Um, I love the black version that they wore in the bubble and got very famous for. Uh, I think that's just the Nuggets look and will be all time. When you think about Denver Nuggets basketball, you're going to be thinking about guys running up and down the floor at McNicholas Arena, Ball Arena, and uh, wearing those rainbows. Yeah, there's some really good ones. Um, I When I see the light blue ones, it just makes me think Carmelo Anthony. I know that name is people get a little angry when you bring up that name, but it just makes me think of that era too. Um, there are definitely some good ones. And I, now that I think about it, because again, this was my first reaction to seeing the new one, everybody. But now that I think about it, I definitely do appreciate that they didn't try to go too crazy overboard with it. It was very much a, hey, let's just do a little bit of spicing up. Like, that's all we really need. Let's spice it up just a smidge and call it a day. And I do appreciate the fact that they did that. So um, I'm here for the new new jerseys. I'm glad that they launched so we could talk about them today, everybody, because I'm going to be gone tomorrow. And it would kind of make me a little sad if I wasn't able to talk to you guys all about it. But Jake, uh, what expectations do you have for this Colorado uh, or for this Denver Nuggets team this year? Because I feel like the expectations are high, but people are also kind of like, eh, this could be a disappointment as well. Nuggets jerseys, very Rachel and Jake topic. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited for this Nuggets season. I think it's Western Conference final or bust. They need to get to the conference championship game. Uh, they've been there in the past. Uh, they are supposedly going to be healthy. And their big three, as we saw ranked by ESPN the other day, is, is good, if not better, than any other team's big three in the league. They now have proper role players instead of just depth players who are talented. So I expect this team to make the Western Conference Final. This team could be the first team that the Nuggets have ever had that actually challenges and goes to an NBA Finals, which would be huge. The West is wide open once again. You know it is because people are predicting the Clippers to win the West. And when people are predicting the Clippers to win the West, that means anybody could win the West. Yeah, very good point. All right, well, we talked Colorado Avalanche with DMAC earlier. We did Denver Nuggets as they released new uniforms. Now it's time to go behind enemy lines as we get ready to talk about the 49ers as the Broncos will play them on Sunday night. So we're going behind enemy lines, and we've got Tracy Sandler on with us. Tracy, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Rachel? I am doing wonderful. I'm excited to sit down and talk to you for two reasons. One, you're the founder and CEO of Fangirl Sports, and I love this idea and the passion behind this. So we're going to get into that a little bit. We got to talk about the 49ers, too, because I know you cover them. It's going to be a huge matchup. Jimmy Garoppolo, that Trey Lance, uh, we're going to get into it, too. But I want to start with the defense, because I feel like there's a lot of conversations right now about Jimmy G and the offense. But I Mm -hmm. think this defense for this 49ers team is the real deal. And it makes me very worried for Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense to have to go against them on Sunday night. Well, it's funny that you say that because I was just on another show and we were talking all quarterbacks. And I said, honestly, I think this game comes down to the 49ers front seven. The 49ers historically have had like no answers for Russell Wilson. They have not done great against him. They they did beat the Seahawks in 2019 in the game where it really, really mattered the most. But they've had a lot of trouble with Russell Wilson. But this 49ers front seven is just almost unstoppable. And I think the only thing that's been able to stop them is themselves. And that's what we saw in week one when they committed so many penalties and they committed penalties that kept drives alive for the Bears. That's what led to that win. It really wasn't, in my opinion, 
there were other issues, but those were the main issues. So to me, it really comes down to that. Can they stop Russell Wilson? And then I think another part of this is that the 49ers secondary is so much improved and so much better with the addition of Charvarius Ward. They're without Jimmy Ward, but they've been doing well at safety. But then all of a sudden you have a shutdown corner on one side. Now Emmanuel Mosley can be a really solid, really good corner, but he doesn't have to be cornerback number one because it's not really what he's meant to be. And that becomes a big part of it too. So that to me is the key to the game. Can the 49ers defense finally find an answer for Russell Wilson? And are they able to contain him and bring pressure to him? And if they are, the 49ers do win this game, no matter what happens on the other side of the ball. Okay, I like it. Let's talk, though, about Trey Lance, because there's kind of been a lot of question marks, right? Mm -hmm. And I know the 49ers have had an answer, but I would love to hear from your personal opinion is they wanted to go with this young quarterback, even though Mm -hmm. they have Jimmy G, the whole offseason drama with that. But it didn't really make sense because, again, now that Jimmy G is playing for the rest of the season because of Trey Lance's ankle, everyone's like, this team could win a Super Bowl. So what was the idea behind getting Trey Lance out there and naming him the starting QB when you still have the access to Jimmy G? Well, I think, you know, they didn't plan to still have the access to Jimmy G. And a mm-hmm. lot of things happened along the way that made that happen. But at the end of the day, they traded so much of their future for Trey Lance. They believe he's the guy. I do think this injury now has implications long beyond the season. But this is something I've been saying a lot in the offseason, and that is it wasn't just about this season. If he's the guy of the future, eventually you're going to have to put him out there and he's going to need the reps and he's going to have to play. So I think the feeling was you do, in theory, have a Super Bowl-ready roster, but you also have a young quarterback who they plan on being their franchise quarterback, and you got to get him out there. And the plan really was not for Jimmy Garoppolo still to be there. He had the shoulder surgery. There were a number of things that happened in the quarterback market in the offseason that ended up putting them all in a situation where this was the best case scenario. And it is a really good endorsement for buying insurance because it has worked out for them. But yes, for this season, it might be better for the future. I'm not so sure, but I understood that it was time to put their who they consider their franchise QB out there and let him develop. I had really felt we weren't going to know who Trey Lance was at the end of this season. It was going to be maybe at the end of the next season or the season after. Now that all gets pushed even farther. But that was the thinking behind that. How's the fan base reacting to what happened to Trey Lance and now that Jimmy G is in that starting spot? Well, 49ers fan base, they they love to be split, and they're uh, very vocal. I'm sure this is true of all fans to me, as I'm so ingrained in this team. But I think there is a split, and I think at the end of the day, it is what it is. Trey is hurt. It's not – I think it would also be very different if it was a situation where Trey was being replaced, which I would just like to say for the record, was never going to happen. I don't think Trey was ever going to be replaced based on performance – but obviously under the circumstances he's replaced. So I think a lot of fans are frustrated. There are a lot of fans who like to blame Kyle Shanahan. I am not on that train as a reporter. I don't necessarily believe in that. Maybe things could have been different, but at the end of the day, it's football and you call the plays you think are best for your team to win. And sometimes this does happen. Very unfortunate, a devastating injury, but I don't really think it's anybody's fault necessarily. But, um, you know, the fans kind of now look at it for this year. And I think, like you said, a lot of people now believe they're more of a Super Bowl contender. But as you look to the future, we'll have to see what happens. 
Oh, definitely. Okay, so Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, they've been the best of the Broncos offense because they've obviously had their struggles. I don't think really anyone expected when they signed Russell Wilson to first of all lose to the Seahawks and then start mm-hmm. one-on-one with barely squeaking a win by the Texans. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's the run defense looking? Because uh, that's that's the main part of this Broncos offense. I'm going to be real. We're not exactly sure. Cortland Sutton had a phenomenal game too, but it wasn't always there. The consistency hasn't always been there for Russell Wilson. So how's the run D looked for um, the 49ers? The run D is, I hate to tell Broncos fans, the run defense has looked pretty spectacular for the 49ers. I mean, the defense has just been incredible these first two games. Like I said, it was those penalties in game one that really, or in week one that really beat them. So the run defense has looked spectacular, but that being said, they are going to have their hands full because you got the two guys you just mentioned and Russell Wilson. So they will have their hands full. Now, I know you guys have some serious uh, injuries in the wide receiver area. And so I don't know who's playing or who's not going to play. I don't think anyone necessarily knows exactly who's playing or who's not going to play. So that, I think, is one thing. But I don't know the run defense has been really good for the 49ers. That front seven is just – they're just ridiculous. I mean, they yeah, really are. It's like – so I was interested to see what word you were going to put on it and not to interrupt you. Oh, that's fine. I knew you, like you said that that front seven has been great. So I was interested to see what word you were going to put. And the it's, fact that you spectacular stresses me out, Tracy. <laughs> well, it's so funny because I, um, I'm a diehard Dodgers fan, which okay. does become an issue with me covering the 49ers. And I bring that up because I say that about the Dodgers lineup. When you go like one through nine, even your worst hitter at the moment is still like Cody Bellinger. Or Joey Gallo. So at any moment, they could become, you know, a a spectacular hitter. And I kind of feel that way with the 49ers front seven. When you look at everybody, it's just one spectacular player after another. So, you know, it's going to be tough. I just think the Russell Wilson factor with this 49ers team is going to be the big issue. To me, that's the big, big question mark. It, it just has been a big question mark. And I think that's why Broncos country is so frustrated because really you expected him, you know, you get rid of Drew Locke, you get rid of Teddy Bridgewater. You're like, all right, we finally have a franchise quarterback here in Denver. And he doesn't end up coming out and looking like a franchise quarterback. And, you know, a lot of people in Seattle have said all of these things about Russell Wilson. And so we're starting to believe that some of them may be true, but you're kind of just hoping it's a fluke. No one's really expecting that out of Russell Wilson. And to be honest, he's he's played fine. There's just been a mm-hmm. lot of things that have gone against him. So it's going to be very interesting. Uh, how is his defense? Again, I know you use the word spectacular in the front seven and just good overall. So it stresses mm-hmm. me out, which is my main concern for this game Sunday night. How have they looked covering tight ends? Because we've seen a lot of usage out of Russell Wilson to the tight ends as well. I mean, I think there's really nowhere there the defense has struggled. But you do bring up an interesting point because – it's not something that the 49ers have seen that much of in the first two weeks. So it will be interesting to see how that works out. And I want to, I want to go back quickly to what you said about Russell Wilson, because I think one thing that Broncos fans need to have an expectation for is that you have a brand new coaching staff and yes, you have a veteran quarterback and he is one of the best, but he's still coming into a new situation with the new coaching staff. And there have been a lot of issues, but when you bring up the tight ends, That, to me, is vintage Russell Wilson. He's finding a way. Okay, if this isn't going to work, then let me see if that's going to work. So the Fortners have not seen quite as much of that in the last couple weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare on Sunday night. But I think that it's vintage Russell Wilson. Okay, so if we're not going to be able to win this way, Jerry Judy is, in fact, out. And if the run game is being stopped, then all right, then let's, let's try tight ends. It's funny. With Russell Wilson, he did that years ago in Seattle when they got um, – 
Oh my gosh, the guy from the Saints, and his name is totally going to escape me right now. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy, yes, Jimmy Graham. That was, and they were struggling in the passing game, and they were struggling in the running game, and he really relied on Jimmy Graham. So there you go, and it did work for him for a while. But I just don't know that there's anywhere on this 49ers defense right now where they have a true, true weakness. Now, because I said that, I'm sure that they will totally struggle against tight ends on Sunday night. But there just hasn't been a place yet. But I think the tight end factor will be interesting to see on Sunday how they fare in and what that does to them. All right. I want to talk to you now about fangirl sports. How did this idea come about? What's your goals for the future of it? So it came about because as a female sports fan my whole life, uh, I just didn't really feel like there was as much content that spoke to women. And everything was about pink jerseys at the time that I started. And I love pink. Pink is my favorite color. In my bio, it says, you know, I never met a bedazzled jersey I didn't like. And I'm very into that. But not everybody is. And there was also this idea that you either were like, die hard, die hard, die hard, or you didn't know a basketball from a football. And that wasn't me. And I like all aspects of sports. I like the lifestyle aspect of sports. I want to know more about these athletes off the field and what they're doing. So it was born from there. I started by covering the 49ers because I grew up a diehard 49ers fan. Um, within a year, they started credential me. So it's changed. Obviously, now I'm a reporter. So it's a, di- it's a different kind of thing. But I just wanted to create a place for women to be whatever kind of fan they wanted to be. I wanted a place where they could find merchandise, where they could find analysis, where they could find the lifestyle aspects. We do a lot of content off the field. We do Community Monday, Five Fun Facts. We do the Friday Five, which is are like five nuggets for you going into the weekend. Uh, we have Get My Job, highlighting women in the industry. So I just wanted to create a place for women, by women, with content that really spoke to female fans. It's so funny because I have talked my whole life. I out of all my friend group, right? I'm I'm the sports girl, and the rest of them are always like, I'm, I get so intimidated. Like I just feel like I can't ask questions, and that's not mm-hmm. to me. That's just when they're watching the game with other friends mm-hmm. and family. And so I'm always trying to find ways to break it down because really, if you think about it, yeah, they are a little complex, but all sports are. But when you really break it down, they can be pretty basic too. And I think anybody with a little bit of basic understanding can totally get sports and totally get involved because who's not competitive? Whether you love sports or not, I think you're a competitive human being at some point in your life. And so I'm always looking for ways to do that. So I love that you guys do that. How many people do you have? Are we covering? um, Is it just football? Excuse me. (laughs) Is it just football? Do we got MLB? We got our NBA? Talk to us about that. So we, we've gone through a few different iterations in our business model. We used to have fangirls for any, every NFL and NBA team. And during COVID, we, we changed the model a little bit. So the way it works now is that it's Fangirl Sports Network. We really cover everything going on in the world of sports. So Community Monday that I mentioned was athletes and the work they're doing in the community. And we athletes from, from all sports. Five Fun Facts is a relevant athlete or rivalry of the week. The Friday Five, like I said, the top five sports stories going into the weekend. I happen to cover the 49ers as a beat reporter, but we as a brand are really covering everything going on in the world of sports. And then on the Tracy Sandler show, I talk mainly 49ers and Dodgers, but any major sports story coming up definitely comes on that podcast. So that's kind of how we've changed the model. And it's worked for us because then we are able to provide content really in in all aspects from everything, women's soccer, women's basketball, the NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL, all of it. And we're we're able to be a resource in that way for our our followers. Oh, I love that. And I know I asked you, this is a double question earlier, but what's the future holds for it? What do you want to come out of Fangirl Sports? 
So I think I'd like to bring back the the model somewhat in terms of a fangirl for every team, but more in podcast forms. We actually just launched another podcast fangirl NFL show, which is hosted by two of our former fangirls who are now hosting the show. So please make sure to check that out. They are absolutely awesome. And I just want to continue to grow in that way and continue to be really or want to be the number one resource for female fans in the sports area. But I would like to create more and more podcasts. I think that's so much a big part of the future of this industry. And I myself am such a podcast fan that I think other people really enjoy that as well. Well, Tracy, I love the work that you're doing, but I need to get your pick for Sunday night. Who are you going, Broncos or Niners? I'm going the Niners. I'm going to give you a score prediction, even though I'm terrible at score predictions, but you're so nice. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I'm going to give you, I think, 24-20, 49ers. That's my prediction. I do think San Francisco wins this game. They slayed the Seahawks dragon on last Sunday. Maybe they slay the Russell Wilson dragon this Sunday, but I do think that defense is just going to be too hard for the Broncos to beat. It's funny because I think Broncos country was really happy to see the Seahawks go down until they realized who beat them in that fashion. Uh, Because Pete Carroll seems to be enemy number one here in Denver after some of the comments that were made after Monday night. Uh, We Mm -hmm. won. So I think it's going to be interesting. I am also going with the 49ers. Broncos country is not going to be happy. And you're giving them 20 points. I'm only going to give them 13 points. Oh, wow. I mean, they've only scored 16 against the Seahawks and the Houstons. And those are the 49ers are much better team. It's true. So I'm going 13. um, And I'm going to think I'm going to go with the 49ers for 24. Okay. Oh, I know Broncos country is going to be really mad, but it's going to be a good game. We'll have to be honest. You know, that's people will respect you more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tracy, it was such a pleasure having you. Thank you for going behind enemy lines with us this week as we talk about the 49ers. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Anytime. All right. Behind enemy lines. We love it. Tracy was obviously incredible, you guys. But it is Thursday, and I will not be on tomorrow. I am actually headed up to Aspen, Colorado. Um, but we'll be, be taking over. Him and Cecil are going to break down everything that you need to know about this 49ers game come Sunday night. Lots to talk about. We're excited that the Avs are back going. Um, we're excited for new Nuggets jerseys. They look awesome. I do. The more and more I've gotten used to them, the more and more I like them, too. And then, of course, a huge matchup on Sunday night as the Broncos will play in prime time. So make sure you stay tuned to DenverFan.com. We'll keep you guys updated on absolutely everything that you need to know happening in the Colorado sports line or headlines. Jake, Will, James, uh, Max, Cecil, everybody that um, is lucky enough to be on this part of the show with me. Um, I appreciate them and I know they're going to do a killer job while I'm gone for only the one day, but I'm excited. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and I'll see you guys at 5 15 PM for pregame live come Sunday night as we get ready for Sunday night football. Bye everybody. Have a wonderful weekend.